Thank you for joining us today and a big thank you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. Karen and I have been trialing their designs for a few months and we can happily recommend them. All designs are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. As a runner, our aims are to maintain optimal metabolism and metabolic rate to support our running performance and body composition. In this episode, we highlight four foods which are thought to increase metabolic rate and support metabolism, and we also suggest some great menu ideas for you. Welcome to the Food Force Spotlight series. For us, food is never just fuel. It provides a wide range of nutrients to support the many aspects of our health and also to promote physiological adaptations for our running performance. These short, informative episodes are dedicated to food and meal planning. We'll spotlight key foods to support your running, and we'll share tips and suggestions to give you big results in your running performance. The suggestions we make during this episode are for guidance and advice only and are not a substitute for medical advice or treatment. If you have any concerns regarding your health, please contact your healthcare professional for advice as soon as possible. If you'd like help from Karen and Aileen to design a personalised sports nutrition plan for your running, please contact them at Runners Health Hub. Welcome everyone, I'm Aileen and I'm here again with Karen. Hi Karen, how are you today? Yes, I'm fine, thank you Aileen. Um, I went out for my run this morning and it's a real pea super of a day as they, as they say. Um, I don't know if that's a Scottish a Scottish phrase or not, but the, it, it basically it means that it's really, really foggy out there. Um, so yeah, it's it's clearing now, but when I went went out earlier, you could hardly see in front of you. So, um, so the first fog of the the year of the winter, really. Yeah. How about you? How is it with you? Yeah, the weather's good here. No fog, so you'd be glad to know. No fog on the time. So, uh, yeah, it's just uh, not quite as bright as it was yesterday, but lovely day. Um, so good to have you here. We're sort of one week into lockdown now. How have you been finding it? Yes, um, it's been okay, Aileen. So far, so good. And I think it's been easier this time because I knew what to expect. Uh, we've been here before. So, um, so that kind of helped, especially regarding my mindset and sort of deciding beforehand how I was going to move forward with exercise and also my nutrition as well. So I've really been trying to get out every day to do a run and also um, incorporating some strength training at home, just using body strength, but just incorporating the two on a daily basis so that I feel as though I'm maintaining the same level of fitness. So when I come out the other end, I won't feel as though I've put on that COVID stone as they speak about. <laughs> How about you? How are you finding it so far? Yeah, yeah, good, actually. Um, yeah, no major, no major issues. Um, I think 
because we know it's only a month, it feels okay. Took me a couple of days to get into a new routine. Um, but yeah, just trying to make the best of it really. Um, so, so let's get on with our topic of the day. So today is a food for, um, episode. So it's food for metabolism today. Um, and that's a topic I think is of interest to all runners. So from a health and nutritional viewpoint as a runner, our aims are really to maintain optimal metabolic rate, particularly as we move through midlife into older age. Uh, and as we know that metabolism naturally slows when we reach midlife, but there are lifestyle changes that we can introduce to support metabolism and exercise being one of them. Uh, and also that there are specific foods that we eat, which can help promote metabolism and our metabolic rate. So today, what we're going to do is focus on four foods which will support metabolism and that metabolic rate. There might be foods that people might not have thought of being um, helpful in that respect. So it'll be interesting um, to discuss them. Um, but we thought, as usual, we'll go through the four foods one by one. Uh, we'll come up with some um, menu ideas towards the end of the episode and and also a one-day menu plan, which hopefully will give people a little bit of inspiration. Um, so the four foods that we're going to discuss today are chicken, uh, grapefruit, sardines, and jalapeno peppers. So I think that's how you pronounce them, Karen. You're the one with the Spanish um, experience. Is that right? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty good, Aileen. I think probably it's giving it its proper pronunciation. It would be jalapeno um, because of the Hispanic background to it. But um, yeah, your interpretation is pretty good. I usually just say jalapeno, which is completely wrong. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, there we go. <laughs> okay, okay. So just before we start going through each of the foods, um, Perhaps it would be a good idea to, um, if you could start with explaining metabolism and metabolic rate, just to give us a bit of context, Karen. Yeah, sure, Aileen. And, and metabol metabolism is really quite complex. But to try and explain it briefly, sort of metabolism refers to really all the chemical processes going on continuously inside our bodies that allow life and normal functioning. Now, these processes include those that break down nutrients from our food. So thinking here about carbohydrates, proteins and fats, and this is known as catabolism, and they're sort of broken down for energy. And then those that build and repair our body. So this which is known as anabolism. Now, we tend to speak about anabolism and catabolism in the context of muscle building and muscle breakdown. We speak about that quite a lot in our, in our podcast. However, it does refer to all the processes within the body where there is this building up and breaking down going on to, to support um, health maintenance, really. Mm. So, so thinking about metabolic rate or um, total energy expenditure, as it's sometimes known, um, I know that there are different aspects to that, Karen. Uh, could you explain what, what they are? Yes, absolutely. And there, there's sort of metabolic rate is generally divided into three different aspects. So the first aspect being the basal metabolic rate. Now, probably a lot of people will have heard of that because it's used a lot in the sports world. Um, now, basal metabolic rate is really about the amount of energy used 
um, for all the body processes if you were lying flat. So if you were in that supine position and completely still and basically just breathing, really. Um, but but lots of um, different uh, platforms and, and people and scientists will maybe refer to resting metabolic rate. Now, resting metabolic rate really is looking at um, the metabolic rate from a resting point of view. So maybe sitting up in a chair, watching the television or something, but there's no physical activity. So and this is thought to be more realistic than lying in that supine flat position. So that's one aspect of metabolic rate. Another one is the thermic effect of food, sometimes um um, spoken about as thermogenesis. Now, thermogenesis generally is, is spoken about in the form of the creation of heat, but the thermic effect of food is looking at it from an energy point of view and, and sort of it's looking at it from the digestion and absorption as well as the transportation and storage of food and how they all use energy. And the different macronutrients, so the carbohydrates, proteins and fats, have a different thermic effect. And then the third aspect of metabolic rate is about the energy used during physical activity. Now, this is the energy used for all types of physical movement. And this is the, the aspect also that varies the most um, and will depend on how much energy is used per day. And physical activity includes includes the planned exercise. So, for example, going out for our runs each day or incidental activity. So here thinking more about just fidgeting, doing housework, maybe playing with the children or playing with the dog. So that's classed as incidental um, activity. So I think so those are the three different aspects. However, each individual's metabolic rate is going to vary because it's it's influenced by many factors, including the likes of age, gender, also muscle to fat ratio, the amount of physical activity done, um, as I described earlier, but also hormone function and the diet. So it is going to be very, very individual. Mm, thanks for that background. That's really helpful, Karen. Um, so I think let's get a start with our first food. So we, we're going to look at chicken to begin with. And, and what we're thinking about here is lean chicken. So that's chicken with the um, the fat and the skin removed. Um, and we can now start thinking about how that might affect um, the positive effects of metabolism. So it's really the protein content of the lean chicken that's known to support metabolism and the metabolic rate. And that's linked to the thermic effects of food, Karen, that you just mentioned. Um, so, you know, as, as we said, um, carbohydrate, protein and fats all require energy to be to be processed. Um, but protein actually requires the most energy. And it's actually thought that digestion and absorption of protein may increase the, the BMR, that basal metabolic rate, by, you know, 20 to 30 percent. Yeah, and that that's really quite significant, isn't it? And then sort of looking at the, the three uh, macronutrients, carbohydrate comes in second place, and it's thought to increase the basal meta metabolic rate by around five to ten percent, which is actually quite significantly lower than protein. And then the metabolism of fat raises BMR by as little as 0.5 percent. And I think this just shows that how how slow and inefficient that process 
is that fat metabolism is mm, yeah that's really interesting karen um so just to sort of go back to the protein aspect um it's thought that having a high protein intake can aid body fat loss by um preserving the the sort of resting energy expenditure and also um it will increase the thermic effect of feeding um and that's supposed to be especially prominent during periods of energy restriction. So, for example, if somebody's reducing their energy intake to help change body composition. Um, so, and that's, that's really interesting, I think, because it, it's sort of, um, it's generally recognized, I suppose, that energy, restricting your energy intake or dieting, I suppose, you know, is commonly known, um, that that would negatively affect metabolic rate. Uh, and that's usually due to the fact that the body is responding to the lack of food and it might be thinking that you're in a sort of starvation mode. Um, and as a result, that leads to a slowing down of metabolism to preserve energy. But what we're really saying here is that a high protein intake during these times of restricted eating may preserve the metabolic rate. So, when you are reducing your intake to look at the proportions of your macronutrients and to think if I have more protein, even though overall I'm eating less, that's actually going to help promote my metabolism. Yeah, absolutely, Aileen. Additionally to that, sort of lean muscle in itself is known to utilize more energy to function than body fat. So that's another um, another aspect of this. And also um, a high protein diet is known to prevent that loss of lean muscle mass. So by by keeping the protein content up, you're going to potentially reduce the amount of um fat mass and increase the amount of and preserve the amount of um, lean muscle mass. Um, so, so just thinking about that and increasing um, protein intake as we move through midlife may help to preserve this lean mod body mass at a time when it naturally declines. Now, it's it's supposed to decline by up to 3% a year, which is quite significant, really. Mm. Um, and also the, the, the protein is known to, um, help increase that metabolic rate. So that's going to hit it to sort of minimize the, um, or help reduce the, um, fat, the fat mass. So really, really quite powerful protein in many different ways, um, regarding, um, metabol metabolism and metabolic rate. But let's now, um, move on and have a look at the nutritional properties of grapefruit. So, so the nutrient found in grapefruit, in fact, it's actually found in, um, in all citrus fruits, um, and it's thought to support metabolism that the, the nutrient in these um, fruits is naringenin. Now it's, it's a flavonoid. So it's one of the phytonutrients, um, found in, in many, um, vegetables and fruits. Um, and, and it's, it's the naringenin that's been found to help reduce weight gain, increase energy expenditure so that's that's influencing the metabolic rate but also it's known to help improve glucose and the fat metabolism now we were saying 
earlier that that it's really a really slow and inefficient process, um, the metabolism of fat. So potentially the naringenin in grapefruit and citrus fruit could support um, support that fat metabolism. Now, one of the mechanisms thought to lead to the increase in energy expenditure, therefore influencing that metabolic rate, is naringenin's ability to increase the expression of brown adipose tissue or brown fat, as it's sometimes known, or BAT um, is, a, is another way that it, that it can be described, which has been really well researched, actually, for its thermogenic effect, so that creation of heat that I spoke about way back in the beginning. Mm. I've just had a real flashback here, Karen. Do you remember the grapefruit diet in the 80s? I don't know whether you ever did it, but I know I did it with various mm. flatmates. It was it was a really big thing at the time, and we were all eating like grapefruits, half grapefruits with every meal. Oh. Um, and obviously, I didn't know anything about nutrition then, except I wanted to lose a bit of weight. But uh, that was yeah, that's interesting. Obviously, why it was uh, designed. So yes, the grapefruit yes. diet yeah. come back. Um, mm. So yeah, getting back onto the the serious stuff. So um, thinking about this fat, the brown adipose tissue, um, that's um, something that many people might not have heard of, but it, it's a type of fat that's very prevalent in newborn babies and, and it's um, it's required to create heat to help the newborns adjust to their cold environments. And it's always been assumed that um, fat's really reduced throughout childhood and it was almost non-existent in adults. Um, however, in, in recent years, um, various researchers have discovered that there are sort of um, localized pockets of bat in small defined locations throughout the body, uh, for example, in the anterior neck and, and thorax. Yeah, yeah, really well explained, Aileen. Um, and, and studies have also noted, um, that, that people who are overweight or obese seem to have less of this bat or brown adipose tissue than, um, than lean people, suggesting that, um, bat may be important in maintaining le leanness. So it's really interesting. And this could be due to the bat's um, thermogenic effect in creating heat because this heat generation use, utilizes a great deal of energy. But what I would add here is that I think much more human research needs to be conducted to really confidently conclude the relative impact of bat on overall energy expenditure and weight control. To date, really, most studies are on animals, although there are some um, human studies out there as well. But I, I do think more needs to be needs to be done. Mm. And I, I just wanted to also add a, a bit of a cautionary note about grapefruit, which, which isn't uh, related to the metabolism, but just something that people may or may not know about. Uh, but grapefruit can interact with some medications. So um, drugs are, are broken down and metabolized with the help of a, a vital enzyme called the uh, C CYP3A4 enzyme, and that's um, in the small intestine. And, and grapefruit juice can actually block the action of that enzyme. Um, so instead of um, it being metabolized, more of the drug can enter into the blood and stay there longer. So the result is that there might be 
too much drug or medication in your body, which may be detrimental. Um, so if you are somebody that's on medication, it's always important to check the information on your packaging. So, um, you know, you don't have to necessarily avoid grapefruit, but it's just a cautionary um, thing to think mm. about. Um, and I think, you know, that's probably, I've always really enjoyed grapefruit and I love grapefruit juice. Uh, and I think I'll probably avoid it just not that I'm on any medication, but I think it's sort of just one of those subliminal things that because I was taught that I started to avoid it. Um, yeah. But, um, mm. but yeah, I think I'll... Um, not anymore. Not, not anymore. I'll start adding it back in now that I've remembered its mm. metabolic properties. <laughs> so, so yeah, some interesting information, Karen. Um, so now let's look at um, sardines and how they can help us. Um, so, you know, sardines are a, a, an oily fish and they're, they're also thought to increase metabolic rate. And this also includes all of the small oily fish um, and, and some of the bigger ones too, like like salmon, but particularly mackerel, anchovy, sardines and herring. And it's thought that the omega-3 content of these fish um, can influence uh, metabolism. Um, and uh, there have been some studies that have... Um, focused on the influence of sardines in particular. Um, so do, do you know much about that, Karen? Yeah, so so what it what it is, Aileen, is it it's thought to be the DHA and EPA. So these are two metabolites of omega-3 fatty acids. So as they're broken down, they um these this D I'm not gonna say the full names mm. because um they're so long and technical, but DHA and EPA are thought to um exert the most influence on metabolism. And um for example, it's thought that EPA and DHA are really effective at suppressing the lipogenesis. So, so in other words, they lipid, they, they limit the synthesis of fat. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's thought that this reduction in fat depositing could be as a result of the, um, DHA and EPA increasing lean body mass which would indirectly really increase the thermogenesis and energy utilization. So that's one of the ideas of how the omega-3s could be helpful. Yeah, and obviously sardines include protein as well, as, as the other mm. oily fish do. So um, that's also going to affect on the thermic effect of foods, um, influencing metabol met metabol I can't say it. <laughs> Metabolic, Metabolic rate. rate. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they, yeah, these little sardines can pack quite a punch when it comes to our metabolism. Um, so finally, Karen, let's look at the, um, I can't say it now, jalapeno peppers. Jale yes, the jalapeno peppers. <laughs> yeah, so, so the nutritional properties of the, these peppers is thought to, um, influence, thought to influence the metabolism are the, the pungent, what's known as capsicinoids, and then there's the non-pungent capsinoids. Mm -hmm. So again, these words are never easy to say, are they? Now, capsicin is thought to be the most pungent of the capsicinoid group. Um, and some of, some people may have heard of it is, is it's what gives chili peppers the, the real heat. And then capsiate is um, thought to be the principal non-pungent capsinoid. Now, both are thought to induce 
thermogenesis, therefore increase the, the basal metabolic rate. However, capsaicin is thought to be um, the most potent. Um, and capsaicin is also thought to um, increase that lipid oxidation. So um, in other words, that burning of fat for energy. So so quite helpful uh, in, in many different ways, really. Mm, and also the capsaicin is thought to induce browning of white fat. So in other words, changing the, the fat as we know it, the white adipose tissue into the thermogenic uh, brown adipose tissue that we discussed earlier. I mean, obviously not in huge quantities, but, you know, even small yeah. amounts will have some influence, I expect. Yeah, absolutely. And you've just reminded me, Aileen, that although we didn't discuss it earlier, naringenin from the grapefruit is also thought to induce that um uh, the the bat from the what so that that bright adipose tissue from the white adipose tissue but again more research is really needed into the influence of these nutrients on the white adipose tissue and brine and brine fat so but i think it's really interesting to read about and and learn about um and then just a final note on capsaicin and capsiate is that they are thought to enhance the um energy expenditure uh, that total energy expenditure in in humans. So, so what isn't clear is whether this is linked to the energy used in thermogenesis, or is it another independent mechanism? So again, more research um, needs to be done into that to 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 get complete um, conclusions. So, um, but really interesting information, I think. Yeah, certainly. So let's just have a quick summary before we uh, move on to some food ideas. Um, so what we talked about was the, the principal nutritional property of chicken is protein in relationship to metabolism. Um, and uh, protein may help preserve resting energy expenditure, especially in, during periods of restrictive eating. So it's important to uh, include um, the right amount of protein in your food plan. Um, thinking about grapefruit, the nutritional property that we've been discussing is naringenin and uh, its ability there is to help increase energy expenditure by increasing the expression of brown fat, um, which uses energy to efficiently create heat. And then moving on to sardines, the, the main uh, nutritional property that we talked about was the omega-3 fats, and that was due to their ability to stimulate metabolism and also increase metabolic rate. And then finally, the jalapeno peppers, um, the, their um, nutritional properties are related to capsaicin and capsaicate, um, and that's also um, due to their ability to increase the metabolic rate by inducing thermogenesis. So um, pretty good things there. Yeah, absolutely. Some great information, actually. And just before we move on, Aileen, I just wanted to quickly mention um, dieting and how it could negatively affect metabolic rate. Now, we did speak a, a bit about it earlier. Um, and just to sort of reiterate that this is principally due to the fact that the body responds to the lack of food as a sign of starvation, like you said earlier. And as a result, it slows down metabolism to preserve energy. 
So, and this can then lead to tiredness, lethargy, and also um, it can limit the amount of weight loss that occurs. So really, I think for people, it's just to, to remember the thermic effect of food. So having three meals a day and ensuring that they're high in protein could actually be the way forward to support that weight loss rather than trying to um, emit a meal a day thinking that it's going to support the, the late weight loss. Mm. Yeah, and we, we've talked about this a lot in, in some other episodes. Um, so if, if that's an area that's of interest to people, I would suggest you go back and listen to episode 18, which is about intermittent fasting, episode 20, which is about resistant weight loss, and then also in the Healthy Woman, Healthy Runner miniseries, episode one there uh, focuses on weight loss and the midlife runner. So there's some really, really great information in all of those episodes, which will um, complement what Karen's just been explaining there. Okay, so let's look at some recipe and menu ideas now, Karen. Um, so I'll start with um, chicken. So we remember we're talking about lean chicken here, so the skinless chicken. Um, and chicken's really versatile, and I think a lot of people use it on a regular basis. And, you know, potentially it can be really good value for money if you use a whole chicken and then you use all the different parts of the chicken. So I'm thinking here of cooking a chicken and then stripping, you know, having the chicken as part of a meal, but then using the leftover meat um, and bones to either use in salads or make into a curry. Um, you could add to a risotto or paella, or maybe even the bones could be cooked up with some vegetables to make uh, chicken stock or a chicken broth. So lots of, there's tons of different ways you can use chicken. What about you, Karen? What, how do you use it at home? Yeah, I think those are really great ideas, Aileen. And I think, like you say, it's great to to buy a chicken and then be able to use all aspects, you know, all parts of it, and it can actually feed a family for a few days. Um, when I buy chicken, I tend to buy chicken breast pieces or maybe chicken drumsticks and then make that into a casserole or a curry like you spoke about as well. Um, what I may do is just bake the chicken breasts with, maybe some garlic, onions and herbs and then serve that with um, brown rice or maybe potatoes and, and some vegetables on the side. So as you can see, I'm not really that creative with chicken. So it's basically usually baked and then um, and then maybe just sort of, like I say, some, some vegetables put in there alongside it. Mm. So but then thinking about grapefruit, um, Actually, just a bit of a factoid here that I find out um, is that, that they're called a grapefruit because they tend to grow in clusters just like grapes do. I had no idea that was why it was called mm. a grapefruit because they grow. Anyway, that was just a little factoid to, <laughs> to add in there. Mm. Yes, indeed. Um, yeah, so, so grapefruits are, are great, I think, added to salads because they really give a salad a, a tangy feeling, a tangy flavour, actually. And, um, and also, um, they can be really nice sprinkled with cinnamon and nutmeg and a little bit of maple syrup and then grilled or put on the griddle, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, you can, uh, what you can do is just sort of cut the grapefruit in half. And um, while it's still in its skin, then top with the ingredients, then pop that under the grill for a few seconds. Or you could take the segment, segments out and then um, put them on the griddle. 
So how about you, Alien? Have you got any other ideas for a grapefruit? Um, well, yeah, I mean, you could um, squeeze it into juice and you could freeze it in ice cube trays. So you could either use the puree, you know, for um, just adding to a juice or you could even uh, blend it up and make it into a refreshing granita. That would be really, really nice. Maybe not so much in the winter, but a lovely summer, summery thing. Um, I, I like it in um, salads. So a sort of traditional um, salad idea might be to have grapefruit segments with um, cooked prawns and avocado slices, maybe on a bed of rocket or some crunchy lettuce leaves. Uh, romaine lettuce would work well with it. Um, I also really like citrusy grapefruit with watercress and maybe some chopped hazelnuts. That would be a nice salad too. Um, so yeah, lots, lots of, uh, lots of good ideas. It doesn't just have to be like a breakfast vegetable. It can be used in many different ways. I like your idea of griddling them too. I think that would be good. Um, so moving on to sardines now. Um, my favorite way with sardines is to make them into a pate, you know, particularly if I'm using tin sardines. Um, or adding them to a salad, um, maybe even having them on toast um, with some, you know, watercress and chopped cherry tomatoes and garlic um, topped with a, some herbs, you know, like parsley would be nice. My other really, really all-time favourite is if you can get hold of fresh sardines in the summer, I use a really lovely Sicilian recipe and you basically grill the sardines with a, a stuffing and the stuffing's made of pine nuts, raisins, lemon zest and chopped herbs and that is just I had it in a restaurant once and then I've recreated it at home and it's a really lovely sort of colorful tasty um, meal to have. Mm, that sounds delicious mm. Aileen I think I'm, I'll have to make that for um, my husband I think he would really enjoy that. Yeah yeah and what else do you do do you I know you don't eat sardines Karen but um, is there anything else you would do with the, for the family? Well, interestingly, just the other day, I found a really um, simple recipe which had sardines paired with chickpeas, lemon and parsley. Um, all you had to do was to coat the sardines in flour, then fry them really lightly for a few minutes. Um, just take them out of the pan, add a little bit of oil to the pan and then fry um, the garlic um, then add a little glug of white wine, as one does, and then let it bubble for a minute. Um, add a tin of chickpeas, or I suppose you could use butter beans or another type of bean if you wanted to, and then um, have cherry tomatoes. Let them heat through, then add the sardines back into the pan, um, and voila. You know, you could just put the pan on the table. Maybe you could sprinkle with a mix of, of the garlic, the lemon zest and the chopped parsley on top. So um, so another really nice, easy but tasty, tasty recipe. Mm. Yeah. And I suppose for you, you could have had the bean mix without the sardines. Mm. You've driven, you know, done that. And it just tastes of, exactly. of summer holidays, that, that dish, isn't it? Yeah, it does actually, yes. Mm. Okay, so that's that sounds all delicious. I'm really getting hungry now. I'm gonna to have to have some lunch afterwards this <laughs> yes. this conversation. Um so let's um let's think about um what else we could do. So um if we think about the jalapeno um peppers. So I think they're pretty, particularly used in Spanish and Mexican cuisine, um, but also you might find them in some Thai and 
East Indian recipes too. Um, I tend to um, use them in, you know, anything that I want to give a bit of warmth and added flavor to, so soups and stews, or I might use them to perk up some bitter greens like kale, collards, mustard greens. Um, you could put in a little bit of um, lemon juice in as well. Um, and what about you? Have you got any other ideas other than that, Karen? Yeah, sort of what I sometimes do, I love guacamole and sometimes I'll add a little bit of jalapeno pepper or jalapeno pepper just to sort of give it a bit of a Mexican flair. Mm. And um, and also if I'm making a bean chili or even a chili con carne um, for my husband, then I'll, I'll maybe add some of the peppers just to give it a bit more of a kick. Mm. So those would be the, the key places that I would I would use them. Brilliant. So we've got some really great ideas there. Um, so we'll uh, we'll put those in the, the blog for you. So if you're listening and you want to um, pick up the ideas in written form, uh, we always do a blog every week, which will be on our um, website. So have a look at it there. Um, so let's just move on, Karen, um, and round up with our suggestions for uh, a one day meal plan. Um, so thinking about all the foods we've talked about what would you suggest um for breakfast for breakfast um well maybe being a bit radical Aileen um how about the sardines um on sourdough with the tomatoes and parsley the one that you spoke about Mm -hmm. um you know I know this isn't really a traditional breakfast food well Actually, not not in the UK. It might be somewhere um, on the continent, but it's not really a, a, a UK staple for breakfast. But sometimes it's good to buck the trend and sort of think outside the box. Um, how about you, Aileen? What would you suggest for lunch? Well, I mean, what you've suggested there for breakfast could easily be a lunch too. Uh, but thinking about mm. something different, um, thinking about, I mean, this is maybe a more, more of a lunch you might have at the weekends with with friends and family but one of my nice things I like to do is a a chicken tray bake and so you put chicken pieces baby potatoes um cooked artichokes and um fresh rosemary uh all in a big um dish actually I put lemon wedges in it as well uh, and some olive oil and some seasoning and just mix it all up together and roast it in the in the oven so you could do a mixture of chicken breast, chicken uh, drumsticks, um, chicken thighs, you know, whatever you want. Um, and then um, serve it with a salad. So maybe a big colorful um, vegetable salad, maybe with some chopped walnuts or some toasted pine nuts or pumpkin seeds on the top. Um, so that's uh, just a very quick, easy, easy to put together. Delicious. Really, really delicious. Um, so rounding off then, Karen, what about an evening meal? Uh, what would you suggest? Uh, so for an evening meal, maybe um, a bean chili with the jalapeno peppers and maybe serving that with um, brown rice. You know, that really appeals to me. Clearly, if you're a meat eater, then maybe having having um, a chili con carne um, instead, but with lots of lovely peppers in it. Mm. Um, so, Ily, just before we go, what about snacks? What would you suggest for for snacks? Uh, well, again, you know, we get a bit in a rut sometimes with our snacks. So I think there are a few things that we could, you know, try differently. So how about, you know, having some grilled grapefruit um, as a snack? And, you know, if you wanted to add a bit of protein to that, you could have a few few nuts or seeds with it. 
um, or maybe a dollop of um, yogurt, perhaps. Um, the the Mexican guacamole sounds lovely, so that could be served with some um, vegetable sticks or crudités. Uh, my my favourite sardine pate on on oat cakes would be good. Or maybe in the summer, um, what about that grapefruit granita that we we talked about? So, yeah, I think there there are lots of different ideas, and you know, it just broadens the culinary horizons a little bit, doesn't it? To try something different, it certainly does. Mm. Brilliant. So, um, thank you. We've we've created some great ideas together, Karen. So, um, we hope everybody's enjoyed the the meal plan um, as much as we have. And I'm going to go off and make a nice salad now, hopefully with some great fruit that I've got in the fridge. Um, so, um, yeah, it would be great if uh, if everybody could give us feedback on on what they think about this style of um, episode that we're doing, and if there's any particular food for topics you would like us to cover. Um, but just before we go, Karen, I wondered if you could just run through the foods that we've discussed again and just uh, highlight the, the key nutrients. Sure. Yes, of course, Aileen. Now, clearly the ones that we've discussed are, are potentially going to support a runner's metabolism and metabolic rate, but looking at our running in general. So we spoke about the chicken's key nutrient being protein. Now, that's also really good for muscle building and um, repair for for us as runners. And then um, grapefruit, as well as being um a good source of the naringenin. It's also a good source of soluble fiber in the form of pectin. Now that's really good for the reduction of digestive distress. So really, again, supporting the, the, our, our, our running, um, by trying to avoid the, any digestive issues. Um, sardines, um, the key nutrients in sardines is omega-3, which again is good for the anti-inflammatory element of, of running. And then finally, the jalapeno peppers, um, there as well as, as what we've discussed, they're also a good source of potassium, which is really good for, um, supporting electrolyte balancing. And again, that's really key, really important as a runner. So those would be my key points there, really. Wow. Thank you so much, Karen. I, I hope everybody's feeling really inspired to try some of our food ideas. And remember, don't let nutrition be the limiting factor in your running performance. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and feel inspired to try out some new menu ideas. Many of our clients are looking for new ways to help them introduce a healthy food plan which also supports their running performance. So we designed our Easy Nutrition for Healthy Runners program and it's for runners of all abilities. We take you through a series of short videos and action steps to help you create a food plan to suit your running training. The program includes downloadable menu ideas, food lists, meal plans and athlete plate diagrams for different training levels. And you get the added bonus of being invited to free online trainings and Q&As with Aileen and Karen. So you'll always have the opportunity to get some personal input into your runner's nutrition plan. Please check out the program at runnershealthhub.com or if you've got any questions, just drop us an email at hello at runnershealthhub.com. We'd love to see you join us on the program.
We'd like to introduce you to our show sponsor, Amazing Jane Activewear for Women's Changing Bodies, recommended as best leggings for running by Women's Fitness Magazine. We think they have everything a female runner needs. First of all, they are high compression to support your legs and bum. They have a deep waistband so they stay up and they don't move about when you run. There's a handy left pocket for your phone and a zip pocket on the waistband which is great for your cards or a key. They also have a hidden tracker pocket for storing a GPS tracking device and this is a unique safety feature. All Amazing Jane designs, including tanks and tops, are cut to skim, not cling, giving you confidence to look and feel great and focus on performance. Karen and I have been trialling wearing their range for a few months and we can happily recommend them. So if you'd like to try Amazing Jane Activewear, please use our listeners' special discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases at amazingjane.com. Amazing Jane ship around the world, so please check their website for details. Thanks again to Amazing Jane Activewear for being our show sponsor and for sharing discount code RHH10 for 10% off all purchases.